So we're going to do uh, just a few announcements here. A couple of reminders. Uh, one is about the uh, trunk or treat um, event at Redemption, and it is uh, I looking on. Yeah, well, the it's the it's tomorrow. Yep, you can see it on the screen. So if you are interested in volunteering still, they can still use volunteers to help out at, at it. See Jordan. Uh, he can help you with that. Uh, the second announcement is a reminder of the men's breakfast that is going to be on Saturday, November 5th. That's next Saturday at 9 a.m. here. Um, guys, all of you really, really encourage you to come. Um, if you want to help at all just with um, you know, any of the logistics and that kind of stuff, there is a sign-up sheet out on the cart. Um, if you'd like, well, we want to know that you're coming, and two, if you want to help out. Um, the third is Tina. Tina, Tina, Tina. There she is. Um, Tina, why don't you use that red mic right there? Come on up here, and Tina's got an announcement. Just take it with you. There you go. Tina's got an important announcement. Okay. Is it on, Mike? Yeah, go ahead. Hi. Oh, yes, you can hear me. Hi, I'm Tina. And um, if you don't know me, I work for Help of Ojai, and I've been doing that for the last almost five years. Um, we've just partnered up with the youth group. Um, I talked to Jordan a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, he's all, what's the need? We'd like to help out. So immediately I told him, well, we could use some homeless lunches and we could use a little bit of food. So then he started, boom, they made lunches for the homeless and they got a food drive started. But now within the interim of this last week, our food pantry was inundated with some bugs. So little mothy bugs or what have you. We had to, as you can tell, we had to throw out a lot of stuff out. So... This food pantry services, we are open Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and one Saturday of the month where we service our community. And we have anywhere from 15 to 20 people each one of those days from 9 to 12. And they come and get what they can. And we give them food. We give them canned food. We give them fresh produce. But right now, we don't have anything to give them. It's just... This is what we have. We maybe have canned green beans or a couple other things. So we are asking the church body. I brought it up to um, Richie and the elders and said, can we just make a plea for an immediate need? Um, you can go to Help of Ojai website, and you can donate there. Um, if you want to do it online, you can also send a check over to Help of Ojai. The link for the website's on on the website, I believe it's going to be. And if not, yes. Thanks, Eileen. And if not, see me, and I can give you the address and stuff. But I'd really appreciate all, anything you can do, an extra box of macaroni and cheese, anything. Just put it in your cart and then just send it on over so that, um, that our community is served in that way. That's it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tina. Uh, now we've got a very important announcement by our own Mike Pettit. Thank, thank you, Mark. Good morning, church. Hey, that's good. You guys have all had a cup of coffee already this morning. Well, hey, we have a special day today, and uh, this is probably or arguably something that we should do uh, many times a year. But uh, for those of you that may not know, October is uh, Clergy Appreciation Pastor Appreciation Month. 
And so we're going to spend some, a little bit of time this morning uh, giving rightful appreciation uh, to our pastors. And so just a little bit of history on pastor appreciation. Uh, some people say that it started in 1992. There was some laypersons that said, hey, we have Groundhog Day and we celebrate that. So why don't we celebrate our pastors? Um, so just to let you know, you're appreciated right behind the groundhogs. Um, but uh, in reality, pastor appreciation is biblical. Um, Paul, in his letter to Timothy, in uh, 1 Timothy, writes, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And we are so fortunate in our church to have pastors that, uh, that rule well, and they are deserving of double honor in preaching and teaching and ministering to our needs. And so uh, I want to invite Pastor Richie, and uh, because we know that your union with uh, your wife is important in the ministry, Nadine, if you could come on up, and Pastor Tyler and Kim, if you could come on up, join us up here up front. Um, and while you're coming down, just want to to just share some praise because you have been there uh, for us when we needed it most. Because when you say you'll pray for us, we know that you will. Because you always point us back to Jesus. Because you preach that message, Pastor Richie, right when we needed it. How many of you have said, I feel like he's preaching directly to me today? <laughs> every hand, every hand. Because you've helped make our <laughs> you've helped make our church a family, and we are so grateful uh, for that. But most of all, we're grateful because you answered the call when you received it, and uh, we know that that's an all-in commitment. That it's a commitment of time. Um, it commits uh, everything. Your family. How many late nights, late hours? Um, you're receiving calls from the from the body. And you, and you shepherd the flock. And we really appreciate that this morning. And we want to share those words of appreciation with you. So we're going to take a short period of time right now. Um, if you want to, we're going to have Mark and Bill with microphones come around uh, the sanctuary here. If you want to just share a, a very quick note of appreciation, what our pastors uh, mean to you. 30, 45 seconds each. Uh, we want to just have a, a, a brief time of just praising and, and, and loving on them. So just slip up your hand. Uh, Mark or Bill will get, get over to you. And uh, we want to have that time this morning. All right, in the back there. I think we have Matt back there. Morning. Uh, I just wanted to uh, echo what Mike just said about uh, Pastor Richie and um, he just will answer the phone whenever you call. It's, an, it's always amazed me when he will do that. Tyler does the same thing. They're always here for us. And I know when I've uh, had a great need, uh, just the, the counsel, the wise counsel, and the prayer that I've received from both of them has been just incredible. So I just wanted to thank you both right here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. I can't say enough about Pastor Richie, Pastor Tyler, and Bill. <laughs> All three of you have done so much to help me grow. I just started this church just 
just coming just to church just because it was Sunday and that's where I should be. And then I was invited, and Pastor Richie, no, yeah, that's you. <laughs> Pastor Richie suggested I go to Diana's Bible study, and I thought, Bible study, yuck. <laughs> and that's the way I really felt. And I've been going ever since, and I love it. And I just can't say enough about this whole church. It has all meant so much to me, and I have really grown since I have been coming here. Thank you so much. So, um, Pastor Richie was really instrumental in getting me in touch with some women in what I would say was my greatest hour of need. And I am so grateful that you did that. The women he got me in touch with helped me through a really difficult time, and he had the wisdom to put me in touch with those exact women. And Pastor Tyler, um, sorry. Um, my daughter Autumn adores you, and she works on Sundays now, but every Sunday she says, did Pastor Tyler ask about me? <laughs> and so she, you have really made an impact in her life, and when she's not here, she actually thinks about, thinks about you. And I know that she really, um, she just really loves the fact that you have poured into her life. So, and you make her feel special. So, thank you. So, um, I just want to say thank you to all five of you because, um, you all do something different in different ways, you know? You all bounce off of each other. Um, you can have two doing one thing with one person. And I mean, just the way that you guys do it. Um, I've searched for God for so long in my life. And to have a family like all of you guys here, I, this is my family at this point. Um, you know, I had a hard time getting up and coming here today, but knowing that every single one of you guys was gonna be here and we were gonna learn from you guys, because every day I wanna be better because you guys set an example for me. You know, Mark I meet with every single week, and he doesn't have to do that for me, but it makes me want to do that for other people because I have a story to tell and people to help, like they're helping me, and in time, it'll be my turn to do it. So I just wanted to thank all you guys for setting the example that you guys set. Okay, um, <laughs> here we go. I I told Bill if I pass out, he had to catch me. <laughs> so um, I just want to say that um, I've known Richie and Aideen for, what, 20, 25 years, and um, they are more than just my pastor and my friend. They are my family. For years, they have been my family, and they've helped me through so many things, and they were there for my husband and me, and I credit Richie with really bringing Larry back to the Lord and for being his friend. That was the most important thing. He was his friend, just his friend. And that made an impact on Larry. And thank you so much, Richie. Thank you so much. And Pastor Tyler, he's my, probably the one I complain and whine and whatever. And he listens patiently and gives me my support. And, and Kim, oh my goodness, Kim, 
She has made the biggest impact on my grandson. He comes home every Sunday telling me about the armor of God. He is so thrilled. And I just want you all to know that for Halloween this year, he is going to be the armor of God. Thank you. Hello? Oh, my gosh. Now I get what you're saying about the passing out thing. Um, I can't thank the well, all you guys, enough for what you've done in my life. Um, I've been coming to the well for, I don't know, all, nine plus years. And it was quite possibly the darkest hour of my life. And I was circling around a relationship with God, but I didn't even know how to get to it. And I met this wonderful woman named Susan Glennon, my angel. I hope you're watching. And um, she invited me to church. And I've just, like Betty, I've learned and grown so much all this time and every day. And when I wake up and I feel the joy in my heart and the blessings of God and everything that I have, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, I'm so grateful. And I wouldn't be in this place where I appreciate everything that I have so much and I feel the joy of what I have if it wasn't for all of you guys. And I have a lot of mental health issues and a lot of, and during COVID I was just watching from home and it was hard. It was hard to just be at home and isolated. And sometimes I swear Richie was talking right to me. I was in my pajamas with my coffee and it was all I could do to go downstairs, get that coffee and start on time and it's just like he was talking to me. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for this blessing. And, you know, thanks, thanks to his messages so often, it makes me, that make me reflect and think, I found the courage to come back. Amen. So I'm not just watching from my bed. I'm here. Thank you. I would like to um, thank Pastor Richie, Pastor Tyler, and Bill for being there with me the past 10 years, raising Jacob. <laughs> he would never make it without you guys, and he's where he is today because of you. So thank you. I'm not going to say anything, but thank you very much because, because you all mean very, very much to me, all of you. Thank you again. I want to say thank you so much for both of you men living a godly life, giving us a living example of how to live, how to love, and how to teach others. It's been wonderful. And the wives that stand behind them and encourage them and help them. Thank you for all of you. All of our people here are such wonderful people. I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate you for loving God and our Lord Jesus. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, church. And I, I hope you example of... Uh, just how much you've touched all of our lives. And, and we know that uh, 
you know, tomorrow when you're at your, your desk, you're going to have people come in and complain about the sermon and the music and the temperature. And, the, and so we, we just appreciate uh, what you do on a day in and day out basis. And we want to invite uh, Kathy up to share a few words. And we have uh, some gifts of appreciation for you. Okay, I'll try to get through this as well. Um, Nadine, thank you for loving us all. Thank you that your smile and your joy fills this whole church. Thank you for your support um, uh, to us all, and especially to Richie. I think your own walk with the Lord um, allows him the, the support and the time and the space to do what he does. And it's because of who you are and what you've given all of us. So thank you very much. Okay, Kim, um, you never cease to amaze me and to amuse me. <laughs> and we love you for it. Thank you for all you've given to our children and grandchildren here. Um, Again, your walk with the Lord is seen so much through your giving of who you are to all of us. So thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Tyler, um, I want to thank you not only for all you do and all you give, and we see all that. Um, but what I see in you is that there's not much distance between what you believe and what, how you walk with the Lord. Um, I think some of us have a lot of intellectual and emotional space <laughs> between those two things. But you don't have much space between what you believe and how you live your life. And I thank you for that. And so we have... <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> and Richie, I just have something very short to, to say to you to thank you. Um, is that um, you keep the main thing the main thing. And that is very, very central uh, to all of us. That Christ is central in our life. And it's because he's central in your life. And in what you do, what you say, what you preach. How you live your life. But just... Uh, week by week, you keep Christ as center, and there's not much more to say beyond that that is eternally impactful. So thank you. Thank you, Kathy, and we have a, a gift for you both. So thank you so much. That's on behalf of the, the congregation. We just want to give you a, a gift of appreciation. And why don't you bow with me as we pray? And thank the Lord for our, our pastors. Heavenly Father, we bow before you and we love you this morning, Lord. We adore you. And we are thankful to be in this place worshiping you. But, but more than that, Lord, we are so appreciative of our pastors, Lord. That they've answered the call that you've given them. They heard your call and they responded, Lord. And they've poured their love into each of our lives, and we thank you for them this morning, Lord. We thank you for their wives that have been part of that ministry and that calling, Lord, so eagerly. And, and they make uh, the work 
that is being done here, the love that we feel, Lord, as a family possible. And we appreciate uh, these, these just amazing people, Lord. We lift them up to you this morning and ask your continued strength as you pour yourself into them, Lord. We know it's tough. And we just ask that uh, we would have a spirit of compassion for, for our pastors, recognizing that, that they're human too, Lord. And so we lift them up this morning, Lord. We praise you for them. And we just ask that you continue to renew their strength. And let us not forget uh, just how, how amazing they are, but, but that they are human, Lord. We lift them up this morning. Ask your, ask your special blessing upon them. In the holy and powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. Thank all of you for your wonderful words of affirmation and appreciation and encouragement. Almost 30 years ago, I went to a visit the executive pastor of a church in San Diego because I had been pondering and thinking about the Lord's call to ministry as a young, young 20-something, you know, seeking wisdom. And, and I'll never forget what he said. He says, if there's anything else you can do on this planet other than be a pastor, do that. Because after all of his years in the trenches, he knew the unique uh, joys, but also the unique challenges that comes uh, with the call to ministry. Uh, you know, uh, it is a unique calling. It's 24-7, 365. Uh, and, and, uh, and yet, there's incredible fulfillment. And, and my wife and my family and I have been on this journey. And we've been on a journey with you for 13 years uh, here at the well and I just want to say thank you. I, I, you know, a couple Sundays ago, we talked about the word seasons, and uh, I so am appreciative and celebrating this season together with you. I celebrate uh, the elders, amen, that the Lord has raised up at this church, and uh, the ministry leads. We have uh, what we call ministry leads here that lead the various ministries, and yesterday we met for over three hours uh, in, the, in the commons there, talking about what the Lord has done this year and praying about and seeking the Lord for 2023. Uh, and I want to thank all of you who serve faithfully, who give faithfully, who love one another faithfully. Uh, the church is the body. Amen? Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I understand and appreciate the calling. And uh, just uh, I'm glad that we're doing it together. Glad that we get to do this together for this season. And uh, look forward, to, uh, Lord willing, to many seasons together. Uh, and even uh, those I've known, you know, 20 plus years, but also uh, the new families that uh, we're getting to know, appreciate getting to know you guys and look forward to, uh, uh, it's just a joy, you know, uh, sometimes it's tough when um, you celebrate someone going to be with Jesus, you know, when you did the passing the mic things, you know, Tyler and I are like, is this a memorial? You know, I mean, like, <laughs> we only do that in memorials when someone's not here. You know, so you celebrate that and then you celebrate a birth, new ones. And, and as a church family, we go up, down, left, right together. And we try to navigate this thing called life as best we can, uh, helping one another to follow Jesus. Uh, the good news is that um, we know that this isn't our home, that heaven is our home. And uh, one day we're just going to be in his presence rejoicing uh, together. Right? And so, you know, as a believer, just turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're stuck with me. You might say, hey, you know, you're, you, this is it. This is it. We're fam. We're fam. So there you go. <laughs> there you go, right? 
So we're going to continue this morning uh, through Philippians, and I was joking with the, the leadership team this morning at 8 o'clock as we do our prep meeting that today we're going to, you know, we're going to advance the ball, but not even one full verse. We're going to get through half a verse. If you're familiar with, with the Bible, right, sometimes there's two verses in a, in a two sentences uh, in a verse, and so the first sentence is A and this one's B. Well, we're going to get to A today. And uh, I want to encourage you, last Sunday, I, I really uh, laid it out up front. I said, hey, you know what, we're going to be looking at a passage, uh, last Sunday was Philippians 4, 4, and it's very familiar. And sometimes in church, we check out when we find out that we're going to be speaking about something familiar. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know, heard that since VBS, yeah, you know. Today, I'm going to encourage you not to check out, not because it's familiar, but I'm encourage you, stay focused, hang in there till the end, don't check out, don't go like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah on me, okay, don't go doo on me, because sometimes in church, we check out when we are about to cover something we don't like, or we think that given our current circumstance is an impossibility. So sometimes when you encounter that, your walls go, right? Shields up, right? And, and suddenly you cannot be as receptive as you were uh, initially. So I'm going to encourage you today that uh, Philippians 4a, as we see, uh, is going to be challenging and it's going to be challenging in many ways uh, because uh, there's a lot of emotion involved in, in kind of the issue that we're going to be uh, focusing on. And to get to a place where you allow the Spirit through, to speak to you through Scripture, to allow you to respond biblically in faith, in obedience, supernaturally through the Holy Spirit... Despite your feelings, despite your circumstances, despite your thoughts, your opinions, is an act of God. Amen? But you got to have an open heart. You, you got to hang in there and you got to let the Spirit speak through Scripture to your unique situation. And just I'm going to encourage you this morning here and at home, uh, be teachable, be humble. Know that God knows your situation. Okay? God knows. And so uh, hang in there with me. In 2 Corinthians 12, just kind of lay the framework, the Apostle Paul was going through something really big in his life. He called it a thorn, right? And it says in 2 Corinthians 12, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Uh, that's a powerful testimony. 
When he says that this was a, a thorn, it's not a, a rose thorn. What, what the picture is, is a railroad spike. And so something so big in the Apostle Paul's life was happening, he, he, would, he was experiencing it like a railroad spike being driven through him. That painful, that agonizing. Three times he says, Lord, can you please take this away? Anybody here ever go through something and you said, Lord, please take this away? More than three times, right? But three times, according to the scriptures, he says, no, no. Because I want you to learn something through this, Paul. I want you to learn about my grace. I want you to learn my power in your weakness, right? And then he says that, that incredible statement at the end, for the sake of Christ, and then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is why I want you to hang in there. Because what we're going to be focusing on are situations in your life where you and I usually respond in the flesh and in fleshly strength. And so, you know, they sometimes call it the upside-down kingdom. Where we are called biblically in the power of the Holy Spirit to respond in an upside-down way. Rather than in my strength and my understanding and my plan and my strategy, it's you. I surrender, I submit, I acknowledge that I am really only truly strong when I admit my weakness. When I admit that I'm done. That I c -c can't. Ooh. Tough word? I can't. Right? You ever been lost? Mostly the guys. <laughs> Encouraged to pull over and look at a map or ask Siri where the heck you are. Why can't you admit that? Right? We have a hard time. P pride. It's surrender. Admission. I'm lost. Right? But, but I get it because in our culture, we're raised to be strong, self-reliant, independent, not need anybody. To ask for help is being weak. It's a sissy. It's a sign of failure. Right? And so into that, we saw in 2 Corinthians 12, God's like, no, Paul, I need you to learn dependence on me. I need you to learn true strength. I need you to learn to rest in your weakness because then you're in my strength. You're in my power. You experience that. And so... Today, I'm going to encourage you to hang in there because what we're going to be talking about are, are times in your life and my life when we are provoked. Provoked. By people or situations that just push your buttons of justice and rightness. And that's not fair. And how dare they say that? Anyone? Right? What do you do when you're provoked? Oftentimes we want to retaliate. Right? Right? We start, we want to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. We got the arguments lined up. You ever been in an argument and you're not even listening because you're getting your stuff ready? Right? And so we're going to be talking about, kind of like the title of the sermon is Right Heart, Right Response. What should be our response in those moments when we are provoked? When we want our rights, when we, are, we want the law, we want justice. This is not fair. This is not right. I didn't do anything. They should know better. How do you respond when you're provoked? And we're gonna, I'm going to encourage you 
just, just kind of allow the Lord to speak to your heart. Philippians 4, 5, and the ESV says this. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, hang with me a little bit. The Greek word for reasonableness there is pronounced epi case. Now, here's the challenging part about Philippians 4a, right? Sometimes in the Greek, oftentimes in the Greek, when you're studying it, if you see something in an English Bible, there's a Greek word, and you're like, boom, got it. That particular word, epi case, in this, in the ESV, reasonableness, this particular Greek word doesn't have a definitive English, single English word that nails it on the head, okay? So we're going to look at this and try to understand what the Apostle Paul is saying in Philippians 4, 5a, right? But we have to look at it sort of like in the context even of other translations. Look at this, Philippians 4, 5a in the NIV, let your gentleness be evident to all. So ESV was reasonableness. NIV is gentleness. The King James, let your moderation be known unto all men. The New Living says, let everyone see that you are considerate. Okay, so, so we went from reasonableness to gentleness, then moderation to being considerate. And then, Bill, this is for you, the Amplified. The Amplified says this. Let your gentle spirit... Now, the Amplified puts things in brackets that they really want to try to help you understand what's going on behind the scenes here, the original language. So, look at this. Let your gentle spirit brackets your graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. That's quite a list, right? So, if you're just reading out of the, out of the ESV, you might say, you might go, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. You're like, sweet, got it. I'm reasonable. What's so hard about that? I'm a pretty reasonable person. Next. Right? No, that's not, really what we're, no, that's not really what we're going at here. It's part of it, right? Gentleness, moderation, consideration, graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, tolerance, patience. Be known to all people. There's another description, big-heartedness, sweet reasonableness. Now, Here's how to kind of set the stage so you're trying to grappling, grappling with all these words coming at you. The context of this, again, is your heart and your attitude in those moments when you are being provoked, when you're in conflict with somebody. So let your graciousness, let your mercy, let your patience, okay? Let your consideration in the context of when you are being provoked, attacked, okay? So just think about it right now. Just, just take a moment. When you are being provoked and you believe you're being wronged, you're being slighted, you're being insulted, you are in the right, what is your typical response? Okay, maybe retaliation, anger, bitterness, resentment, harding, you know, ready for the battle, okay? So that's what we're talking about here. And in fact, it's really important because this particular word is a characteristic of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10.1 says this, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness, okay, that's the word, gentleness of Christ, 
I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. So this is very important because if you want to be Christ-like, epi case is a character trait that you should be known for. It should be part of your reputation. Right? He says, you should be known for this. John MacArthur tries to help us more understanding this word. He says this, you could translate it your generosity, your magnanimity, your humble willingness to be disgraced, your humble willingness to be treated unjustly or mistreated without hatred, without bitterness, without retaliation, without self-justification, without even discontent. It is a kind of meekness and gentleness in the face of hostility. It doesn't talk about its rights. That's Epi case. And that's a character of Christ that, according to Philippians 4, 5a, it should be known to everyone that that is a character trait of yours. Whew. Right? Hang in there. Because if it's supposed to be known to everyone, the first question, one of the first questions of application, man, if, if I were to go around and ask people about, hey, how does Bill usually handle being provoked? Is it with gentleness and magnanimity? Right? If we were to just go around the, uh, your workplace, your friends, this Christmas at holiday, family gathering, I say, hey, tell me, tell me about Bobby. When, when he's provoked, when he's insulted, when, when people step on his toads unjustly, how does, how does Bobby typically respond? Right? Because again, it says, let your FBI case be known to everyone. This is, this is supposed to be a reputation that we have in the community of how we respond to these situations. If you're with me a while back, Philippians 2. Here's, here's, here's another verse that will just kind of like go, really? Philippians 2. Do all. I won't say all. Okay, you just set yourself up. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. How many have already failed? (laughs) Right? Look at that. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that on the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So just like this verse, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why? Because it's part of our testimony. It's part of our testimony as citizens of heaven, as children of God. Now, that's like so big that that would require a miracle. How many would say that requires a miracle for you to do all things without grumbling? or? How many grumbled this morning? I'm going to go to church. I got to go cut those donuts for all those people. Gonna, 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 gonna make coffee again. Nobody here to help me make coffee, right? Right? So it, it, we have to understand that, that 
when the Bible calls us to these things that seem so counter to our flesh, it's because when we fulfill them in the power of the Holy Spirit, it gives all glory to God. That's the testimony. When you begin, for instance, in Philippians 2, 14 through 16, when you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to change you about mumbling and grumbling and disputing, God gets the glory. And you know where it's going to start? In your own house. In your own marriage, you know? Right, Danelle? You'd be like, what happened to you? <laughs> and like, the Lord got a hold of you. Because I know before, there it is. <laughs> take out the trash again. <laughs> you... Even in the smallest things. Even in the smallest things. We begin to honor and glorify God. And so when we come back to Philippians 4, 5, we go, okay, Lord, this is way out there again because I know me, and even, you know, thank you, Mike, for bringing the reality and the realism to, to ministry. You know, things come at us all the time that can provoke us in the flesh to want to just react, right? I mean, how many of you have a hard time pleasing everyone in your own home about food, about what to watch on TV, right? Now imagine trying to please all of you. Yeah, good luck, right? So, <laughs> so I get it. And, and so for me, when I, was, when I was processing this verse, I'm like, okay, a great, a great way that really helped me, someone coined this phrase about uh, FBI case, and it's patience under provocation. That really helped me to kind of summarize all these words coming at me and trying to understand patience under provocation, okay? And the RSV uh, translation actually gives us a word that we're going to focus on here that I think will help all of us kind of get a handle on this. So when we leave here, or maybe with you're dealing with right now as you sit here, someone is already, you already, when I say provoking you, you already got a head, you got to get... Right? It's already there. So maybe this, this is going to help you. Before you leave, even get up out of your seat, you're going to be free to deal with it differently than this morning. Philippians 4, 5, 8 in the RSV says this. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Forbearance. Okay? Kind of not a very common word, but if you get this word and you understand biblical forbearance, it can radically transform your life. Because what we're looking at today and what we're studying as followers of Christ, we got to get this down because of the culture we, we live in. All you got to do is open social media and you're going to get provoked. You got the elections coming up. You got the economy. You gotta, there's plenty around us to provoke us. Inside the church and outside the church. So more than ever, we have to understand what it is to have the character trait of forbearance forbearance okay it kind of encompasses many of the fruits of the spirit it's controlling oneself when provoked forbearance is refraining from the enforcement of something as a debt right or obligation that is due to abstain to hold back so maybe you've had a forbearance on a loan right you just kind of said oh you know just hold off a little bit I know, it's, I know I could demand it of you, but I'm going to give you a forbearance. I'm going to choose to abstain. I'm going to choose to hold back from demanding my right that you pay. I'm giving you a forbearance. Okay? 
quote says this, the forbearing person goes back from the letter of right for the better preserving of the spirit of what is right. He is not harsh in demanding extreme penalties. He is softened by God's grace and deals with others in the same manner. The word has a nuance of leniency, of not being so overly strict that we demand our pound of flesh, even if it is our due. If you're like me, when someone comes at me, I want to come right back at them and then over the top. Like way over the top. Like I'm going to put you in your place over the top. Right? Pound of flesh. Not even just a pound of flesh. Like several pounds of flesh. Right? Right? And so I'm sitting there like, hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, what we're not talking about here, and you're going to see a little bit, this is not compromising biblical convictions. This is not ignoring sin, condoning sin, being soft on sin. None of that. We are called to speak the truth in love. Amen? We are called to adhere to the authority of Scripture. That This is not any of that. This is a heart issue. This is your attitude and your approach to somebody in these situations. Stephen Cole says this, It is not a quality of the natural man, because selflessness is at the core of it. It means that we value the relationship above our rights. So we graciously back off and stop demanding our own way even if we have a right to it. Biblical forbearance means graciously refraining from insisting on our rights because we put love for others ahead of love for ourselves. It's about self. Selfishness versus selflessness. And this is what makes it really hard because our culture has elevated self to the throne. We're all about self what I want, what I think, my rights. We've elevated self versus selflessness, right? That's what's going on here. It's the culture of self. And so when we're provoked, right away it's about me and what I think, okay? Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So in these moments when I'm being provoked, when I'm being provoked, when I'm being attacked, when everything in me wants to retaliate, what I'm, what I'm being challenged to do biblically is to Stop. Stop. And not just respond in the flesh. Not just respond as the old. Even if I'm justified. Even if it's in my right to do so. What I am being commanded to do here is to pause and consider the other person. Consider how to honor God in this situation. Okay? Stephen Cole again says this. To be forbearing means that we will not be easily offended because self is not on the throne. That right there is a biggie. 
We will not be easily offended because self is not on the throne. We won't take it personally if we're slighted. We'll be gracious and give others the benefit of the doubt. We won't jump to the conclusion that they deliberately wronged us. How many of you, when somebody says something, does something, something happens, you just go right to, they did that on purpose. They did that right on purpose. There's no way that couldn't have been on purpose. Right? We jump to that conclusion. We'll try to be understanding and make things easier for the other person. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We need forbearance to get along with others. What is one of the greatest laboratories of forbearance? Randy and Tracy, what are the greatest laboratory of forbearance? Marriage. Marriage, Amen. Right? (laughs) Good answer, Randy. Right? If you're in any kind of close relationship, how many of you who are married here or been married understand you've lived constantly under forbearance? Right? Is it your rights? Is it just a battle of rights and who's right? Right? That's what's going on here. Versus the call. Even for husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Self-sacrificial love. You know what, honey? Right, Randy? You know what, Tracy? It's not about me. How can I serve you, Tracy? Would you like me to do the laundry, Tracy? Would you, would you, would you like me to cook dinner, Tracy? Right? When it's not about me, and yet, how many of you would be honest? It is so tough even in marriage. That it's not about me. We wake up and we're just thinking about me. Right? It, it, and, and, and sometimes it, we, we, we carry things into our marriage that we didn't even know we carried in. That we were just kind of brought in. And sometimes the Lord has to deal with self in ways that you didn't even re- recognize. That, that you, know, you, would, you wouldn't even necessarily call it this horrible selfishness. Right? I'll give, give you an example. When I was growing up, my dad... Uh, had to leave at 4 a.m., okay? So he'd leave the house at 4 a.m. And uh, when he slept, when, where I slept in the house, I could hear them stirring, and my mom would get up and make breakfast. And I could hear them having coffee, breakfast, she'd cook, and 4 a.m. he would leave. And my mom would go back to sleep for a little bit till she got up for work and we got up for school. Little did I know that all those years of seeing and hearing my mom wake up at 4 a.m. to see Dad off and breakfast and coffee... Little did I know that I, I thought my wife was supposed to do the same thing when we got married. <laughs> now, the challenging part is my wife is not a morning person. She is the opposite. And so we start off marriage. And Mike, right, pastor, doing the Lord's work, serving the Lord's people, getting up early, Got to go to the Lord's house to do the work. She's still asleep. Making my own breakfast. Cooking my own whatever. And all right, see you later, honey. All right, yeah, okay. Praying for you. I did not realize. And this went on and on 
and I didn't realize how deeply entrenched this self, like I picked it up. Like you're just supposed to do this because my mom did this, right? Like God so bad, like you don't love me. What do you mean I don't love you? Well, if you could love me, you'd get up. All you ladies are like, you're an idiot, huh? Like, you're like, all you, I know what you want to say. You might, because you, you're just like, I can't believe he said that. Boy, if he said that in my house, <laughs> right? And I share this story with you because it's sometimes we pick up things. And there's conflict, and really at the root of conflict was this self. Like, there was this value that, that was important to me that I picked up, and it wasn't being met. And at the core of it was like me, self, kind of selfishly saying, you know, why aren't you doing this? Then a pity party, then it gets in, and then it gets in, you know, and just went round and round. And, and suddenly I had to say, wait, stop. What are you doing, dude? She shows you that she loves you in so many other ways. And all I'm doing is crushing her spirit because she's not doing it my way. You see, and, and I share that with you because sometimes we say, oh, self, and we characterize it as very overt selfishness. Sometimes, you know, if you're going through something, even not just at home, but with someone, ask yourself, Lord, is this about me somehow? Is there something I'm not seeing that, that I'm being selfish or self-centered that, that is, is triggering me to be angry or resentful, bitter, but it's really my issue, not the other person's? You see? That's what happens. That's what, like, that's what can happen when we get consumed with self and we're not willing to look at ourselves. We're not willing to look at ourselves. Colossians 3 says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. In other versions, make allowance is forbearing with one another. I love that too. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. Above all close yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Make allowance for each other's faults. Whew. Give them a break. Call off the dogs. Right? So it's a heart issue. And, and there's so much layering in the flesh. And so we're like, well, how do, I, how do I begin to develop this forbearance? How do I get the right heart so that I can have a reputation of being forbearing in my home, in my community, at work, right? How can I honor God? Well, look at the example of Jesus, First Peter. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the starting point. If there's anyone who ever lived on this planet who was never, <laughs> did do, he did no wrong. Did no wrong. And yet, look what happened. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. 
right? And then this is key, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So here's the deal. When waves come at you and people are coming at you and you're being provoked, you're being attacked, you're being insulted, you know what you need to do? Entrust yourself to God. You've got to trust God that he's got this. You've got to take your hands off of it and you've got to entrust yourself continuously, right? He continued entrusting himself. Continued entrusting himself to his father. Okay? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And so there's going to come a place where you're going to have to make a decision, a choice. Just like last Sunday, the choice to rejoice. In this situation, you're going to have to make a choice. Are you going to choose to continue to deal with this in your flesh and in the self and out of what you think? Retaliation, defense, self-justification. Are you going to do that? Or are you going to take your focus off of you and onto God? Because around here, we say... Consistently, God is good and all the time, which means God's word is all the time and all the time God's word is, okay, there's going to come a place as you move forward in life and you are being attacked and provoked, you're going to have to literally trust in the goodness of God and the goodness of his word. And you're going to have to have... Make the choice that that is going to supersede your thoughts, your feelings, your opinions. Because here's what the Bible says. Remember, you just said God is good. And you said God's word is good. Okay, so here's what God's word says. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Romans 12, 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Matthew 5. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Amen? Come on. Where's your focus? For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So according to this verse, go ahead and keep that up there for a little bit. When others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on, his, on Jesus' account, according to that first word, what are you? You're blessed. Okay? I know. This is one of those where you're going to, you got to chew on it. You got to take these home because it is so 
I'm just being honest, it is so off, off the radar the way I was raised. I, I was just raised eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I'm going gonna, I, I'm gonna to make sure you understand that this is never going to happen again type of mentality. Seeing myself as blessed when I'm being thrown under the bus, I'm going to I'll have to chew on that one for a little bit. Having the eternal perspective that I'm to rejoice and be glad for great is my reward in heaven when all this stuff comes at me. Woo! That's a, that's a deep breath moment right there. Because I cannot honestly remember the last time some stuff came at me and I literally said, yes! <laughs> Ka-ching! Ka-ching, I hear, I hear the account in heaven. Ching, ching, ching. No, no. I'm just going to be honest with you. That was not my first response. It usually goes like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they just said that. After all I've done. This is the thanks. Anyone? Right? The response is usually comes at me, I process it in self, and then it goes right back out. God is saying, it comes at you, you got to go this way. You got to pause long enough to go this way and process it and view it this way first. And if you do it this way first and get your heart right, then the response glorifies God. Amen? That's how we do it. It comes at us, we go this way, get the right heart, get, get right with God, confess, change our attitude, let him change it, and then we come out with a biblical response that honors God. And that even might surprise you and those around you, because that's just not the way you've always done it, okay? Another starting point is, is being humbled and gracious to understand God's forbearance for you. Right? Romans 2.4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? How many of you celebrate that God has been patient and long-suffering and forbearing for you? That's a starting point, isn't it? But isn't it crazy how easily and quickly we justify our shortcomings, right? Like, if someone has been driving you crazy because they're, like, late, habitually late, let's just say, right? And like, oh, they're late. They do this intentionally. They do this, all right, they're just late, late, late. But then you're late. How easily, well, you know. Isn't that amazing? Like, we, we allow these things to, to manifest and provoke us, da, 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 and suddenly we do the exact same thing, but we're quick to justify and excuse our own shortcomings, right? And so what we come here, Romans 2, 4, says, hey, you know what? Take, a, take some moments, and maybe this week, just if you're going through something with somebody and something's coming at you, and you're just like at the end of your rope, just maybe you need to say, Lord, can you please let me... Be reminded of your grace, your forbearance, your long-suffering to me, like every day. Like every day. How many of you celebrate that you can confess your sins and know that God forgives you, like many times throughout the day, right? How long-suffering and forbearing is God? 
That's crazy. Because I know how many times I blow it. Right? And yet, when somebody does me wrong, ooh, you cross the line. Right? Romans 5. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Doesn't that rock your world? God demonstrates his love while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you're at your very worst, that happened. Right? William Barclay says this, If God stood on his rights, if God applied to us nothing but the rigid, standard, rigid standards of law, where would we be? Okay? All of this is designed to soften our hearts. Because when we're provoked, when we're attacked, what can happen over time if you're not careful, your heart gets hardened. And you lose compassion, and you lose grace, and you actually even lose the willingness to listen and obey the Holy Spirit. Because now it's into self-protection, and it's into retaliation, and maybe even revenge. Okay? Even in the church, Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as types, all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Everyone say, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Ooh. I really like this quote I came across. It says, impatient people have an inflated view of themselves, having lost the capacity to see themselves as sinners in the process of becoming saints. They also have a bad memory. They have forgotten about all the foolish decisions they made, the stupid things they said to others, the petty concerns that occupied their minds. Every so often, we need to be reminded of what we once were and how undesirable it was. Many people have been forbearing toward us, our parents, Children, teachers, friends, associates. Is it any surprise that God commands us to do the same for others? A sober view of ourselves will make us much quicker to put up with the immaturity of others. You ever stop and think, even without your knowledge, how many people around you are constantly forbearing with you? We often don't. So if you happen to be sitting next to someone right now, just turn in and say, thank you. <laughs> just, just, you might as well, if you're at home, just turn to that person next to you and say, uh, thank you. <laughs> right? We're called to be forbearing to others and begins with God's forbearance for us and others who have been forbearing to us throughout our whole life. Throughout our whole life, and it just kind of like a bill, it does what you say, you know, get over your bad self. It just will knock you down several pegs and put you in a place of humility and grace when you understand God's grace, God's forbearance, God's patience, and then other people's grace and patience and forbearance towards you, even today, even before you go to sleep tonight, or now. <laughs> Right? 
So how can, how can we prepare our heart? Just, just really quick, how can we prepare our heart? Because I know sometimes, um, you know, there's a, a little booklet I read years and years ago, and the title was Your Reactions Are Showing. And usually, when we're caught off guard, how many of you, when you're caught off guard, sometimes things come out of your mouth that you oughtn't to have said, right? You're like, you're, you're driving, and, or your computer goes haywire like in that moment how many of you ever been surprised and you have a reaction that maybe wasn't the most godly reaction right you're like did anyone hear that you know so how can we prepare ourselves as we move forward to be forbearing to have the right heart uh when we're in the midst of kind of the culture that win well you got to be prepared you gotta you gotta expect persecution to come and not be surprised. If you're not surprised by it, your heart's already going to be ready, right? We talked about armor of God. We talked about the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to persecution, insults, and all this, if you're going to have a forbearing heart, you kind of got to prepare. John 15, Jesus says, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. It's natural for the world to persecute you as a believer. Second Timothy, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer. It's coming. First Peter, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. What they're saying is, hey, that old crowd that you used to run with, when you got saved and you stopped doing that stuff, you know what? Be prepared for them to talk trash about you. Or malign you. Slander you. Throw you under the bus. They're just like, hey, Bobby, come on, let's go. And you're like, no, nah, I don't do that anymore. No, I don't do that. Oh, come on. What, the old ball and chain? Got you. you know, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to persecute you. You got to be prepared for it, right? But I love the end of this. It says, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. See, it's again the perspective. You don't have to get off. If they come at you and talk trash and insult you, you know what? I'm free of yet. I'm not going to get caught up in that. You got to give an account to him. You see? You, if you understand this, there's a lot of freedom you're going to have moving forward. Not to get caught up in tit-for-tat on social media and in all these arguments and all this stuff because you're trying to really defend yourself and your rights. No, you don't have to. You're free of that, okay? So here's some right response verses. Second Timothy. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Look, you don't have to try to come over the top. We're to do it with gentleness. Because it's God through the Holy Spirit who's speaking to them. Amen? You're just the messenger. 1 Peter 3. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with what? 
gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Again, these are just powerful passages that we all need to really get in as we move forward into this culture. Okay? And then your own view of the lost. Right? Because remember, the Bible says if you don't know Jesus, you're spiritually dead, you're spiritually blind. Right? Remember those days when you didn't get it? Look what Jesus. Matthew 9. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So when you see the lost on TV or the internet, how do you feel about them? Do you have compassion or are you just angry and raging? See, Jesus saw them and he had compassion. The word compassion is, means to be moved in your gut. It is a deep, oh. he had compassion on them. They were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So you have a choice. You can choose to rage at the unlost, at the unsaved and the lost, but that's who they are. Or you can have a sense of compassion and like, they're just lost. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They are confused. They are helpless. I mean, believe me, I, I, I try to keep up to date with all that's going on out there in the schools and all this. There's some confused. There's, there's a lot of confusion right now. And I just scratch my head at how helpless and confused a large percentage of this population is. They are helpless and confused. I can choose to get angry and bitter rage at them or I can have compassion on them because they don't know Jesus. They're trying to navigate life without God. In fact, what they're trying to do is navigate life with them being God and them determining certain things about genders and all this kind of stuff. You take God out of the picture it's helplessness and confusion. That's what's going on. And so Jesus looks on that, not with like this rage and da-da-da. He says, I got compassion on them. I have compassion on them. Because they're confused and helpless. Changes everything. Then you can engage with them with gentleness and respect. You can engage in dialogue with your biblical worldview, with the gospel. It doesn't have to become this. But it becomes this when I react in the flesh. It becomes this when I want to defend myself and self. It's self against self. No. The good news is we're free of that. Amen? We can live no matter what happens with the elections, no matter what happens in the 2023 with the economy, that we live as citizens of heaven. We are children of God. Our names are registered in the book of life. We are called to let our forbearance be known to everyone. 
We're not compromising truth. We're not winking at sin. None of that. We will speak the truth in love when appropriate with gentleness and respect. Amen? We will not be afraid of the world. The world can't touch us. Okay? I love this verse, right? And now you see why I went to Philippians 4, 5, A. Because there's a lot in this. There's a lot in this because I'm going to guess that some of you here and some of you at home are dealing with situations right now where it maybe has come to an impasse because both of you or several of you are coming to the impasse where you're just demanding your rights, your way. Right? No one's yielding. No one's being gracious. No one's, right? No one's demonstrating big-heartedness. Well, now, because you know what the Word of God says, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you to do in your specific situation, beginning with changing your heart, softening your heart. Okay? We'll close with this. Paul Tripp says this. Forbearance is not a moral goal for you to achieve, but a redemptive gift of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He endured mental, spiritual, and physical attack without sin, so that when you are attacked, you would have all the grace you need to respond with patient love and forbearing grace. Amen? Right? It's, it's, it's like the fruit of the Spirit. It's a manifestation. The fruit of the Spirit is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you. Forbearing grace is just you with a new heart rooted in the forbearance of God that you're like, you know what? I'm going to do the same for others. God was forbearing for me. I'm going to be forbearing for others. God forgave me. I'm going to forgive others. God's patient with me. I'm going to be patient with others. It's a new heart. It's literally a new heart. It's under the new covenant. The Bible says you're taking, he takes your heart of stone, takes it out, and he gives you a heart of flesh. And part of that heart of flesh is a forbearing spirit. Okay? But it's a choice. Because if you're like me, man, I can get my buttons pressed so quick. And my first learned reaction was to defend myself, retaliate, and come over the top. And that for me is the daily, sometimes moment by moment decision I have to make to die to myself. To not be in the flesh, but be in the spirit. And then here's the deal, and this is maybe even harder for me, to trust that God knows what's going on. To trust in God's goodness. To trust if I release this, that in his time, his time, not my time, in his time, he'll deal with it. Whoo! How many of you would have really liked God to work on your time? Anyone? God, I trust you with this, but can you please hurry up? I'm like, those are the stages I go through. I have to let go of it, and literally, I have to trust God, that God knows. Everyone say, God knows. Okay, thank you. That might be a starting point for some here. God knows exactly what was said. God knows exactly who's right and who's wrong. God knows who's lying. God knows who's telling the truth. He knows it all. 
So maybe for some here, that's the release, the start. God knows the Lord is at hand. We'll talk about that more next week. The Lord is at hand. He knows. So like Jesus, entrust yourself continually to him. Amen? So we're going to do uh, just a few announcements here. A couple of reminders. Uh, one is about the uh, trunk or treat um, event at Redemption, and it is... Uh, I looking on... Yeah, well, the, it's, the, it's tomorrow. Yep, you can see it on the screen. So if you are interested in volunteering still, they can still use volunteers to help out at, at it. See Jordan. Uh, he can help you with that. Uh, the second announcement is a reminder of the men's breakfast that is going to be on Saturday, November 5th. That's next Saturday at 9 a.m. here. Um, guys, all of you really, really encourage you to come. Um, if you want to help at all just with um, you know, any of the logistics and that kind of stuff, there is a sign-up sheet out on the cart. Um, if you'd like, well, we want to know that you're coming, and two, if you want to help out. Um, the third is Tina. Tina, Tina, Tina. There she is. Um, Tina, why don't you use that red mic right there? Come on up here, and Tina's got an announcement. Just take it with you. There you go. Tina's got an important announcement. Okay. Is it on, Mike? Yeah, go ahead. Hi. Oh, yes, you can hear me. Hi, I'm Tina. And um, if you don't know me, I work for Help of Ojai, and I've been doing that for the last almost five years. Um, we've just partnered up with the youth group. Um, I talked to Jordan couple weeks ago and I said he's all what's the need we'd like to help out so immediately I told him well we could use some homeless lunches and we could use a little bit of food so then he started boom they made lunches for the homeless and they got a food drive started but now within the interim of this last week our food pantry was inundated with some bugs so little mothy bugs or what have you we had to as you can tell we had to throw out a, way, a lot of stuff out. So this food pantry services, we are open Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and one Saturday of the month where we service our community. And we have anywhere from 15 to 20 people each one of those days from 9 to 12. And they come and get what they can. And we give them food. We give them canned food. We give them fresh produce. But right now, we don't have anything to give them. It's just... This is what we have. We maybe have canned green beans or a couple other things. So we are asking the church body. I brought it up to um, Richie and the elders and said, can we just make a plea for an immediate need? Um, you can go to Help of Ojai website, and you can donate there. Um, if you want to do it online, you can also send a check over to Help of Ojai. The link for the website's on on the website, I believe it's going to be. And if not, yes. Thanks, Eileen. And if not, see me, and I can give you the address and stuff. But I'd really appreciate all, anything you can do, an extra box of macaroni and cheese, anything. Just put it in your cart and then just send it on over so that um, our community is served in that way. That's it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tina. Uh, now we've got a very important announcement by our own Mike Pettit. Thank you, Mark. Good morning, church. Hey, that's good. You guys have all had a cup of coffee already this morning. Well, hey, we have a special day today, and uh, this is probably or arguably something that 
we should do uh, many times a year. But uh, for those of you that may not know, October is uh, Clergy Appreciation Pastor Appreciation Month. And so we're going to spend some, a little bit of time this morning uh, giving rightful appreciation uh, to our pastors. And so just a little bit of history on pastor appreciation. Uh, some people say that it started in 1992. There were some laypersons that said, hey, we have Groundhog Day and we celebrate that. So why don't we celebrate our pastors? Um, so just to let you know, you're appreciated right behind the groundhogs. Um, but uh, in reality, pastor appreciation is biblical. Um, Paul, in his letter to Timothy, in uh, 1 Timothy, writes, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And we are so fortunate in our church to have pastors that, uh, that rule well, and they are deserving of double honor in preaching and teaching and ministering to our needs. And so uh, I want to invite Pastor Richie, and uh, because we know that your union with uh, your wife is important in the ministry, Nadine, if you could come on up, and Pastor Tyler and Kim, if you could come on up, join us up here up front. Um, and while you're coming down, just want to to just share some praise, because you have been there uh, for us when we needed it most. Because when you say you'll pray for us, we know that you will. Because you always point us back to Jesus. Because you preached that message, Pastor Richie, right when we needed it. How many of you have said, I feel like he's preaching directly to me today? (laughs) Every hand, every hand. Because you've helped, make our, <laughs> you've helped make our church a family. And we are so grateful uh, for that. But most of all, we're grateful because you answered the call when you received it. And uh, we know that that's an all-in commitment, that it's a commitment of time. Um, it commits uh, everything. Your family, how many late nights, late hours, um, you're receiving calls from the, from the body and you, and you shepherd the flock, and we really appreciate that this morning. And we want to share those words of appreciation with you. So we're going to take a short period of time right now. Um, if you want to, we're going to have Mark and Bill with microphones come around uh, the sanctuary here. If you want to just share a, a very quick note of appreciation, what our pastors uh, mean to you, 30 to 45 seconds each, uh, we want to just have a, a, a brief time of just praising and, and, and loving on them. So just slip up your hand. Uh, Mark or Bill will get, get over to you. And uh, we want to have that time this morning. All right, in the back there. I think we have Matt back there. Morning. Uh, I just wanted to uh, echo what Mike just said about uh, Pastor Richie and um, he just will answer the phone whenever you call. It's, an, it's always amazed me when he will do that. Tyler does the same thing. They're always here for us. And I know when I've uh, had a great need, uh, just the, the counsel, the wise counsel, and the prayer that I've received from both of them has been just incredible. So I just wanted to thank you both right here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. I can't say enough about Pastor Richie, Pastor Tyler, and Bill. (laughs) 
all three of you have done so much to help me grow. I just started this church just just coming just to church just because it was Sunday and that's where I should be. And then I was invited and Pastor Richie, no, yeah, that's you. <laughs> Pastor Richie suggested I go to Diana's Bible study and I thought, Bible study, yuck. <laughs> and that's the way I really felt. And I've been going ever since and I love it. And I just can't say enough about this whole church. It has all meant so much to me, and I have really grown since I have been coming here. Thank you so much. So, um, Pastor Richie was really instrumental in getting me in touch with some women and what I would say was my greatest hour of need. And I am so grateful that you did that. It, the woman he got me in touch with helped me through a really difficult time. And he had the wisdom to put me in touch with those exact women. And Pastor Tyler, um, <laughs> uh, my daughter Autumn adores you, and she works on Sundays now, but... Every Sunday, she says, did Pastor Tyler ask about me? <laughs> and so she, you have really made an impact in her life. And when she's not here, she actually thinks about, thinks about you. And I know that she really, um, she just really loves the fact that you have poured into her life. So, and you make her feel special. So thank you. So um, I just want to say thank you to all five of you because um, you all do something different in different ways. You know, you all bounce off of each other. Um, you can have two doing one thing with one person. And I mean, just the way that you guys do it. Um, I've searched for God for so long in my life. And to have a family like all of you guys here, I, this is my family at this point. Um, you know, I had a hard time getting up and coming here today. But knowing that every single one of you guys was going to be here. And we were going to learn from you guys because every day I want to be better because you guys set an example for me. You know, Mark, I meet with every single week. And he doesn't have to do that for me, but it makes me want to do that for other people because I have a story to tell and people to help like they're helping me. And in time, it'll be my turn to do it. So I just wanted to thank all you guys for setting the example that you guys set. Okay, um, here we go. I told Bill if I pass out, he had to catch me. <laughs> so um, I just want to say that um, I've known Richie and Nadine for, what, 20, 25 years, and um, they are more than just my pastor and my friend. They are my family. For years, they have been my family, and they've helped me through so many things, and they were there for my husband and me, and I credit Richie with really bringing Larry back to the Lord and for being his friend. That was the most important thing. He was his friend, just his friend. And that made an impact on Larry. And thank you so much, Richie. Thank you so much. And Pastor Tyler, he's my, probably the one I complain and whine and 
whatever, and he listens patiently and gives me my support. And, and Kim, oh my goodness, Kim, she has made the biggest impact on my grandson. He comes home every Sunday telling me about the armor of God. He is so thrilled. And I just want you all to know that for Halloween this year, he is going to be the armor of God. Thank you. Hello? Oh, my gosh. Now I get what you're saying about the passing out thing. Um, I can't thank the well all you guys enough for what you've done in my life. Um, I've been coming to the wall for, I don't know, all, nine plus years. And it was quite possibly the darkest hour of my life. And I was circling around a relationship with God, but I didn't even know how to get to it. And I met this wonderful woman named Susan Glennon, my angel. I hope you're watching. And um, she invited me to church. And I've just, like Betty, I've learned and grown so much all this time and every day. And when I wake up and I feel the joy in my heart and the blessings of God and everything that I have, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, I'm so grateful. And I wouldn't be in this place where I appreciate everything that I have so much and I feel the joy of what I have if it wasn't for all of you guys and I have a lot of mental health issues and a lot of and during COVID I was just watching from home and it was hard it was hard to just be at home and isolated and sometimes I swear Richie was talking right to me I was in my pajamas with my coffee and it was all I could do to go downstairs get that coffee and start on time and it's just like he was talking to me. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for this blessing. And, you know, thanks thanks to his messages so often, it makes me re- that make me reflect and think, I found the courage to come back. Amen. So I'm not just watching from my bed. Yeah, right. I'm here. Thank you. I would like to um, thank Pastor Richie, Pastor Tyler, and Bill for being there with me the past 10 years raising Jacob. (laughs) He would never make it without you guys, and he's where he is today because of you. So thank you. I'm not going to say anything, but thank you very much because because you all mean very, very much to me, all of you. Thank you again. I want to say thank you so much for both of you men living a godly life, giving us a living example of how to live, how to love, and how to teach others. It's been wonderful. And the wives that stand behind them and encourage them and help them. Thank you for all of you. All of our people here are such wonderful people. I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate you for loving God and our Lord Jesus. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, church. And I I hope you example of 
uh, just how much you've touched all of our lives. And, and we know that, uh, you know, tomorrow when you're at your, your desk, you're going to have people come in and complain about the sermon and the music and the temperature. And, the, and so we, we just appreciate uh, what you do on a day-in and day-out basis. And we want to invite uh, Kathy up to share a few words, and we have uh, some gifts of appreciation for you. Okay, I'll try to get through this as well. Um, Nadine, thank you for loving us all. Thank you that your smile and your joy fills this whole church. Thank you for your support um, uh, to us all, and especially to Richie. I think your own walk with the Lord um, allows him the, the support and the time and the space to do what he does. And it's because of who you are and what you've given all of us. So thank you very much. Okay, Kim, um, you never cease to amaze me and to amuse me. <laughs> and we love you for it. Thank you for all you've given to our children and grandchildren here. Um, Again, your walk with the Lord is seen so much through your giving of who you are to all of us. So thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. I'll give these to you. You can do that. Tyler. Um, I want to thank you not only for all you do and all you give, and we see all that. Um, but what I see in you is that there's not much distance between what you believe and what, how you walk with the Lord. Um, I think some of us have a lot of intellectual and emotional space <laughs> between those two things. But you don't have much space between what you believe and how you live your life. And I thank you for that. And so we have... <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> and Richie, I just have something very short to, to say to you to thank you, um, is that um, you keep the main thing the main thing. And that is very, very central uh, to all of us, that Christ is central in our life. And it's because he's central in your life and in what you do, what you say, what you preach, how you live your life. But just uh, week by week, you keep Christ as center, and there's not much more to say beyond that that is eternally impactful. So thank you. Thank you, Kathy. And we have a, a gift for you both. So thank you so much. That's on behalf of the, the congregation. We just want to give you a... a a gift of appreciation. And why don't you bow with me as we pray and thank the Lord for our, our pastors. Heavenly Father, we bow before you and we love you this morning, Lord. We adore you. And we are thankful to be in this place worshiping you. But, but more than that, Lord, we are so appreciative of our pastors, Lord, that they've answered the call that you've given them. They heard your call and they responded, Lord, and they've poured their love into each of our lives. And we thank you for them this morning, Lord. We thank you for their wives that have 
been part of that ministry and that calling, Lord, so eagerly. And, and they make uh, the work that is being done here, the love that we feel, Lord, as a family possible. And we appreciate uh, these, these just amazing people, Lord. We lift them up to you this morning and ask your continued strength as you pour yourself into them, Lord. We know it's tough. And we just ask that uh, we would have a spirit of compassion for, for our pastors, recognizing that, that they're human too, Lord. And so we lift them up this morning, Lord. We praise you for them. And we just ask that you continue to renew their strength. And let us not forget uh, just how, how amazing they are, but, but that they are human, Lord. We lift them up this morning. Ask your, ask your special blessing upon them. In the holy and powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. Amen.